I want to talk about uh, from John chapter 9. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, uh, it's just really funny. And if you read Spanish, I want you to go home and uh, look it up in the NIV and read it. And you will laugh and cry and just enjoy it beautifully. Uh, Christ and a blind man is what I want to share with you today from John chapter 9. And I know you've heard me teach on this many, many times. Uh, but I think that there's something that is applicable to our lives today. Um, so let's look at verse 1. Uh, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And when we see uh, writings like that from the scriptures, he says, no, this didn't happen because of what you have supposed, but it happened that the uh, work of God might be revealed in him. The works of God would be revealed. And so sometimes when we have all kinds of diff difficulties and situations, people will think, oh, well, what must have happened? What did they do? He says, no, that the works of God may be revealed. And you and I live for the works of God to be revealed. Uh, that's what we should always want. And verse 4 says, Jesus goes on to explain it a little bit more. And he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. So you and I must look at life that way, that the, the day is coming when we won't be able to work anymore. So we want to, at the end of this life, be able to say, Lord, uh, the work that you gave me to do, I completed it. I finished it. Amen. That's what we want to do, all of us. And you don't ever have to worry about somebody getting in your way, keeping you from doing the work of God. It is not possible. I'm telling you, I've lived a long time now. It is not possible. They cannot hinder you, but you can hinder yourself by having a wrong attitude about what they are doing. Don't ever be distracted by what others are doing. Jesus was never distracted. That is so amazing. He kept his face like a flint, always doing the, wor the wor uh, work and will of God. So here, um, let's explore this a little bit, because uh, without a doubt, this man and his parents had at some time committed sin. We know that. You know, there's no doubt there. They had obviously. But Jesus did not see their sin as the cause of this man's blindness. Nor did he suggest that God made this man blind so that many years later Jesus could perform a miracle. So often we'll, we'll look at that. Oh, well, this happened so that Jesus could. No, God doesn't have to bring some detrimental situation into your life so that he can bless you. I mean, God can bless you without it. And so, that, so the scripture is not implying those things that we are presupposing oftentimes. Um, so I was doing a little study on this and, uh, some time ago, and uh, the, the writer said that since there is no punctuation in the original manuscripts, this could have been translated a different way. And so I wanted to just read that to you uh, as you and I just explore God's goodness toward us always. This is how it could have been uh, read. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. But we're not, Jesus is not talking about uh, the fact that they were not sin sinners, that they were sinless. He wasn't su suggesting that. But he was saying that sin was not the cause of this from the man or his parents. 
He says, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. But that the works, now listen, this is very beautiful. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. And I would like for all of us, when we encounter various situations, to think about, well, why am I here? Am I here to make a difference or am I here to talk about the difference, you know, uh, what's going on? No, I'm here to make a difference. So Jesus is saying, no, that the works of God uh, must be manifested in him or but that the works of God should be manifested in him. I must work. And so Jesus is still working that the works of God might be made manifest in us. Uh, the, as you grow older, you realize, I'm sure you realize that God is still working with you, that God is still working on you, that God is still making you better. Now, if you're not being made better, if you don't say, God, I did, I've done this now for the 500th time, you know, help me, God. If you're not seeing God making you better, then you're not looking at God. Jesus goes on to explain himself in verse 5 by saying, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I, I, I love the, that verse, and I love uh, when Jesus talks about he being uh, the light of the world and being the light of life, and, and he is the one who exposes those things that are hidden by the darkness. So in John uh, 1, 5, uh, the scripture says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or did not overcome it. So Jesus is declaring himself to be that light, the light of God, the light of the world. Also in, in John, John talks about light a lot. And in John chapter 3, uh, verses 19 and 20, he says, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And, and this is just terrible. And men love darkness rather than light. That shows you the state of the human, uh, 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 of humanity. It shows you the state of humanity that light came into the world, but men did not prefer it. People did not prefer light. So, so Jesus tells us why. Because their deeds are dark. Their deeds are evil. So therefore they do not want light. And he says, um, verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So what we, we gather from the scripture is that some of the frustrations that we experience, we experience them because men are evil. Men do not want light. They do not want good. They reject good. So they're not per se rejecting you. They're rejecting good. And here he says, and in John chapter 8, Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, uh, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And I would like to just uh, speak about, about on that just a moment. And that is, for a moment rather, what Jesus is saying here that those who follow me have no excuse for saying, I don't see. That's what Jesus is saying to us. You know, we say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I can't understand. That means that we are listening to the wrong voices. We're listening to those, those voices that are from the dark. And here uh, uh, we, we talk about um, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I would like for us to find Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And this is of the church that Jesus is speaking of because you and I have a, an amazing responsibility in this time in which we live. We have an amazing responsibility, N not so much as 
it is so obligatory. You know, okay, I'm obligated to do this. Yes, but I would like for us to look at it differently. We have a, an amazing opportunity to do something for God. It's an amazing opportunity. And wherever you go in the world, the, whole, the world is suffering all over. You, you may say things like, oh, things are so bad in America. Yes, and they're bad everywhere. Man. They really are bad everywhere. Oh, you know, hear some believers saying, oh, you know, we got we to gotta change this thing, you know, because inflation is so bad. It's everywhere. Yeah. Sin is everywhere. Man. And so, but we have a responsibility to make somebody's life better. Because this is what Jesus himself, God himself, says of the church. Uh, of the church, he says, you are the light of the world. Wow. A city set that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is what Jesus is saying. So Jesus is, is giving us an understanding of our mission. Our mission is not to be well-clothed and well-fed and then die fat. You know what I mean? That's not our mission. Our, our mission is to be the difference maker in this world because we are now, as Jesus said of himself, we are the light of the world. In, in John chapter 17, John just gives us so many nuggets, wonderful nuggets. I love all the Bible, but I really like just staying around John. I hover there all the time. And uh, in John chapter 17, as we've stated to you before, Jesus says in John chapter 17 that when he, in his high priestly prayer, to the Father, he says that the disciples, those, those disciples of his, had, had, re had received his word, the Logos, and had kept the Logos. So he could very well have been say, uh, say, saying more than I originally thought he was saying. He could have been saying, yes, they, they have received your general revelation, and they have received your specific revelation. He could have been saying that too. But here later he says to them, they have that the word you've given to me, the rhema you've given to me, I have given to them. So what Jesus says, and you'll find this to be the case all throughout the, the New Testament, when there's something said about Jesus with the, exception, with the exception of his Godhead and of his omnipotence at, at this particular juncture and his omniscience knowing everything now and being omnipresent by the Holy Spirit, he is, Jesus is saying, that those things that Father has given to me, I have shared with my body. <clears throat> it's not like my head can benefit without the whole body benefiting. Whatever is in the head is in the whole body. And uh, the, the body receives instruction from the head. So here Jesus says that you are the light of the world. <clears throat> a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is saying to all of us, all of us have difficulties, all of us have problems, but, and, and people are not the cause of your problems. You know, well, if they weren't around. No, if they weren't around, there'd be something else. But Jesus is saying that you have a responsibility not to gripe, but to let. Let your light so shine. And I would, as we look at this political season, you're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff, and you're going to see a lot of people who are participating in it, people you know, people you love. They are participating in the crazy. We're going to just look at them as being captured by the enemy. 
Yeah, yeah, because Jesus has given us instructions. He has told us what we're to do, and, uh, and by telling us what we're to do, he is showing us what not to do. And so you and I need to listen to the voice of the Lord. He says, you're the light of the world. So if I am spewing out darkness from my mouth, I can't be light. And if I am uh, in, in the political process, this is a crazy time, as I said, I cannot bring help and wholeness to somebody who needs it. What if, what if, what if, if we had a, um, and we do, have a Joshua, I think, 513 or something like that, uh, where the, uh, the captain of Joshua sees this man who's a stately man. He looks different, like otherworldly. You know, he's not all like we are. And Joshua recognizes him as somebody special. He goes, he approaches him. Joshua's a warrior. And uh, God's been blessing Joshua. Joshua was amazing as he uh, defeated all those kings in the, land, in the promised land. So Joshua approaches him. Now, with me, if I see somebody looking like they came from another world, I'm not approaching them. You know, that's just me, you know. And so Joshua approaches them and asks, are you for us or our adversaries? I guess Joshua said, if he said, adversary, Joshua going to attack him, I suppose. He says, no, but as captain of the Lord's host, I've come. So, and, and we have talked about this a lot here in the fellowship. And why did the, the, the captain of the Lord's host, which we believe is the pre-incarnate Christ, who, why would he say no? He didn't answer Joshua's question in a way that you and I would think he would answer. But he says, no. Why? Because there is somebody in Jericho that belongs to God. That's amazing. So if we can just read the scriptures and see, I'm, I'm the light of the world. I'm to take light to Jericho. Because the, the walls were torn down everywhere except Rahab's house. Can you imagine that? Because God had somebody. So the captain couldn't say, well, I'm, these are God's people over here and I'm for God's people. No. He says, no. I've come to do God's work. I've come to do what, what, Jesus, what God wants me to do. And so, but, but at the same time, it's just mind-boggling for me. At the same time, there's somebody over there with the people of God that don't belong to him. And so he didn't come to take sides. As somebody said very well, he said he came to take over. But he did not come to take sides. So our responsibility now and always is to glorify our Father in heaven by by doing what he has commanded us to do. How many of us really are committed to doing what Jesus commands us to do? How many of us are committed? I mean, I want to die that way. A while back, I, I had a little, a little, little problem in my body. And I know I didn't talk about it, but a little problem. I spent about three days going to the doctor, checking myself out. And uh, I said to someone close to me, now, if things get worse with, for me, um, I want to complete my mission. Remember my Colonel Kemp statement? Uh, I want to complete my mission. So if anybody tries to stop me from what God has commanded me to do these years, I, I, you don't let them stop me. I've got to complete my mission. Even if I should die at the end of the mission or during the mission, let somebody else pick up the baton. I want to complete my mission. I believe that all of us should be that way. We want to complete our mission. We want to obey God. We must do what Jesus told us to do. And that's where I am. So, so, so let me get down to the story. I'm doing a lot of 
other things, but let me look at verse 6. It says, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay. That, that is when he said, I, I must do the work of, of him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. He said, he spat on the ground and made clay with a saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Did anybody have any problem with Jesus spitting on the ground and making the clay? Okay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he sent him to the place called Sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Isn't this just so wonderful how easily it is to be blessed? Just obey. Just obey. So the man went, you know, somebody spit on the ground. And rather him saying, did you spit? You know, no, he's, he's going to wash. He goes to wash. He comes back seeing. It was, it was on the Sabbath when Jesus healed the man. Uh, so that once again, he was upsetting the de uh, and deliberately challenging the religious leaders. He was upsetting. Now, this is the thing. Jesus did not go to make people angry. Jesus wasn't trying to, to mess up everybody. What Jesus was doing was obeying God. And when you obey God, you will find that you are antithetical to this world system. You will not be partners and friends with the world. I know some of you used to say, Pastor, you've been telling us that. Tell us something new. No, I've got to tell you this until you get it. I've got to tell you this until you do it. Amen. Yeah, because Jesus upset the world system not because he was wrong, but because they love darkness. And when you and I are doing what Jesus wants, I'm telling you, they won't like you too much. All right? Or at all. Amen. And so here in verse 8, it says, Therefore, the... The neighbors of those who had previously seen uh, that, he, that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And he said, I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus. How was your eyes open? A man called Jesus. Made clay. And anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. That's simple. That's simple. So often we wonder why things haven't happened the way that we have thought they should happen or perhaps the way they should have happened. We Maybe we didn't obey. See, God doesn't tell us to add something to it, to add some pleasantries. If God tells you to do something, you do it just the way he tells you. You don't add your, your spin on, well, I don't want to make a mad, Lord, so I just kind of, I framed it a little differently. Well, you didn't obey. You didn't obey. So what am I saying? I'm saying obedience is key in this hour in which we live. Obedience is key. I've, I've often said to our missions teams when we travel, I want, you know, that, that they need to do everything that we've said. No, nobody improvises. You know, we, we, we walk this thing out and said because... A, a decision could cost you your life or cost somebody else their life. A bad decision, something that you thought. And, you know, you, the leaders told you what we're going to do, but something you thought because of a whim could cost you your life. And I believe that we're living in that time period now. And so um, then they said to, the man, to him, the man, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened the, his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. They kept questioning him. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. 
You put clay on my eyes, I wash thy seed. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such sign? And there was a division among them. In John 7, uh, verses 40 through 43, I would read, Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among them, the people because of him. Notice, a division among them. And here, a division among the people because of him. In John chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, it says, therefore, my, Jesus says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sins. So there was a division because Jesus said what the father said, but they were saying things that the father did not say. There was a division among them. So God, the Lord God wants us to understand that there will too be a division in our day, in our hour. Let's don't be afraid. Let's don't think that we have sinned. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. When I read that a number, many, 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 many decades ago, I'm thinking, this can't be right. Because there's a way uh, that seems right to a person, but the end is, is, is the way of death. But look here. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his, uh, his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And so what, what Jesus, I believe, is saying is that there's always a test. Will I obey God or will I obey my feelings, my own inclinations? Will I try to please mom, dad against God? Will I, will I love my child so much that I'll coddle them in their sin? That's all right. That's just love them. Well, that's not God's love. I mean, God's love is different. See, God so loved sinners that he gave his own son over to death for them. That's God's love. God's love is not earthly love. Earthly love, oh, they're, they're doing all these kinds of weird and, and, and immoral things, but God told us to love. You need to get some, go back to Sunday school. Get, some, get, get retaught because that's not the kind of love. So Jesus uh, says, he who loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So he says, you and I have to take up the cross and die. We take up the cross. The cross is an instrument of execution. It will, it will execute who you were, who you were born as. That's what the, it does. So, you, so what? If you love your father or mother more, than Christ, you're not worthy of him. If you love son or daughter more than Christ, you're not worthy of him. And if you don't take up your cross, if you do the first two and don't do the third one, you're still wrong. Take up your cross and follow him. 
Now, Jesus goes on to say he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. But of the church, Jesus says, he says, in 1 Corinthians chapter, 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, of the church, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. The division is not to be among us. It's to be, it's to be between light and darkness. It is to be, to be between us and the way the world thinks. Are you with me? Uh, I hope you're with me. That we, he wants us to speak the same thing, that there are no divisions among us, but that we be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I do know that there are those of us who would philosophize and say, well, we'll never be of the same mind. That's not what he said. Amen. We will not come have the same judgment, the same decision. That's not what he said. He said we will when we're all doing what the head instructs us to do. Amen. Let's go back to the blind man, and I'll take a few more minutes. Now, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? They didn't believe all the reports, all of the witnesses. They brought the parents. Now, hold on. His parents answered them and said, <laughs> they were scared. We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. They threw him under the bus. <laughs> they were afraid. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had all agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. He'd be excommunicated. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And I want us to lay hold of that and, and really lay hold of that and lay hold of our, our profession of faith. And, and, and let's not give up because the world is changing. We're not going to change. If God says this sin is wrong, we say it's wrong. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's 1984, 2022, or 2121. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We say what God says. No, no, it's just it's so, so good. He says, so the man said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple, sassy guy? Or holy boldness? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it is not. 
It has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? They were too. And they were still in their sins. And they cast him out. They excommunicated him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out or excommunicated him. Um, and when he found him, Jesus went looking for him. He found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him. And it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he prostrated himself and he worshiped him. In his Spanish, you tell, it says he prostrated himself. In my English Bible, it says he worshiped. He says he prostrated. He laid down before Jesus and worshiped him. And then Jesus says, for, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. I, I'm going to, to stop here. But I, this is what I want to say to all of us. Let us make the most of this hour. Let us not live in this hour and fail to discern because our eyes have been opened by Jesus. Let us discern what our job, our responsibilities are. And let us take the gospel to everybody. I, I dare not offend people. I do not ever want to offend people, not because I don't have a backbone, not because I'm afraid, but because I don't want to lose someone for whom Christ died. If God put them in my way, he put them in my way to lead them to his son. Therefore, what I try to do is live a life that is pleasing to God, doing what is right in his sight. I urge you, I urge you, do not take part or sides in all the world's arguments but be plumb with God through Jesus the Savior and if you are you will make a difference on the left and on the right and any place else may God bless you be back in a minute